0: The names are incredible. They are very difficult for the North American tongue, let me tell you. Uh, But it's interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemphill.
1: I'm Janice. And
0: this is Bible Discovery TV, taking a look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, We're gonna look at this today and we're going to understand that these names were written down years ago for us to consider. Very good. Corey? All
2: right. I'm going to be focusing in on Nehemiah chapter 12, the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem and the archaeological remains of said wall. Ryan?
3: Hmm. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 13, we read about the two people groups known as the Ammonites and Moabites. But just who were
0: these people? Well, that's what we're talking about today. All right. Very good. We'll look at that. Janice, what did you do?
1: My segment's called He Knows Our Name."
0: All right, very good. Let's open up the Bible. Let's discover what God is saying to us because he is speaking. And let's get your Bible guide out, too, so that you can follow along with us.
1: Nehemiah 11, verses 10 through 18. Of the priests, Judea, the son of Joerib, and Jachin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshalam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitub, was the leader of the house of God. Their brethren who did the work of the house were 822. And Adaiah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Pelaliah, the son of Amzai, the son of Zechariah, the son of Pasher the son of Melchijah, and his brethren, heads of the father's houses, were two hundred and forty-two. And Amashai, the son of Azarel, the son of Azai, the son of Meshilamoth, the son of Immer, and their brethren, mighty men of valor, were one hundred and twenty-eight. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of one of the great men also of the Levites. Shemaiah, the son of Hashub, the son of Izrichim, the son of Hashbiah, the son of Bani. Shabbathai and Jozabad, of the heads of the Levites, had the oversight of the business outside of the house of God. Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi the son of Asaph, the leader who began the thanksgiving with prayer, Bakbukiah, the second among his brethren, and Abda, the son of Shemua, the son of Gelal, the son of Jeduthan. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 10 through 18.
0: Nehemiah 11 through 13. This is a great one. The end of Nehemiah today. As we read through the Bible, it is interesting to note that the names of the Levites operating in God's sanctuary are often recorded. Now, this is true when the exiles returned to Jerusalem of the original Levites after the Exodus and more. Now, this tells me that God pays special attention to those who are committed, committed to doing his work. God does not forget those who work for him. God does not forget those who work for him. Now the Levites had several times organization and they were given their assignments originally under Moses. And as time went on, the needs of the sanctuary grew and the needs of the sanctuary changed. King David, for example, organized temple worship by arranging groups of Levitical singers. Well, the book of Nehemiah names these men as a reminder that it was no small thing to work for the Lord. No small thing. This is a very special assignment. Now, I know the government and I know all of that. And look, I get it. All the people do the things today and they don't think the church is important. But let me tell you something. It is important. Very important. The most important thing ever. So take your Bible guide and turn to today's lesson. If you don't have one, you can call or write to us and we'll send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can get it there and download it as it looks. And so it's really great. All right. We're going to study the Bible today. We're going to look at numbering of the Levites. Now, let me say that my tongue is a North American tongue. And I may slip up on some of these pronunciations. So for the Hebrew speaking people, I ask your forgiveness. (laughs) But I'm going to do my best with my American speaking side. And I'm going to try to pronounce these correctly. So uh, there you go. But let's pray. Father, help us today as we look at these names, these men, who you have placed in your word. Help us, Lord, to understand you don't take this lightly. That This is serious work to you. Help us to understand it's not about how we feel, but it's about fulfilling what you've told us. Help us, Father, to change our hearts, your word to change our hearts in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, check this out. Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 10 to 14. Here is what the Bible says. Of the priest Jedidiah, the son of Jehoiarim. And Jacan, and Saraiah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitab, was the leader of the house of God. And their brethren who did the work of the house were eight hundred and twenty-two. And Adiah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Pelahiah, or Pelaah, the son of Amzi, the son of zachariah the son of Pashur, the son of or melchijah and his brethren heads of the fathers houses were 242 and amashiah the son of azarel the son of Ahaziah, the son of meshelimoth the son of immer and the son and the, their brethren mighty men of valor were 128. Now, what does this mean? Their overseer was Zabdiel, Zabdiel, the son of one of the greatest men. So, Nehemiah named the great men. Credit is given by God where credit is due. Credit is given by God where credit is due. God does not forget. His mind is not like ours. He doesn't forget. That becomes very important. So remember when we do the work of the Lord, which is pretty much as a Christian every day, that we are trying to please the Lord and we are attempting and he knows the condition of our heart. So we are attempting to do things his way. I remember when I was younger and I was taught in the discipleship class to do things, God, do things God's way. That was a revolution for me. And at the age of 15 and 16, 15 and 16 are doing things God's way. Oh, that was hard. But the Lord helps us, beloved. The Lord helps us. And so as we do that, he changes us. Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 15. Here's what it says. Also the Levites, Shemiah, the son of Hashab, the son of Azrakayim, or Azrakim, the son of Hashhabiah, the son of Buni, Shabbethiah, and Jazabad. The heads of the Levites had all or had the oversight of the business outside the house of God. So what does this mean? Nehemiah named those who managed his business outside God's house. They're named. We are each called to different areas of service for the work of the Lord as we follow him. I remember somebody saying to me when I was about 18, And uh, they were janitor. And I I said to them, well, that's great. He said, well, the Lord has called me to be the janitor here at this school. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to clean up everything. I'm going to do everything according to the name of the Lord. And you know what? He did. And so praise God. It doesn't matter what we do. If we do it in the name of the Lord, then we get credits. And then God helps us because our lives have shifted. They have changed. Now, that brings me to this passage of scripture, eleven, seventeen 17 to 18, which says, and Methananiah, the son of Micah, the son of Zebdai, the son of Asaph, the leader who, had, who began the thanksgiving with prayer, and Bekbuka, the son among his brethren, and Abda, the son of Shemua, the son of Galau, the son of jeduthun all the levites in the holy city were 284 which brings me to this point nehemiah named those who were called to praise and thanksgiving in the in prayer and praise to god should be a regular part of our life okay i'm going to show you this now here we go thanksgiving should be a how do i know that the beginning of psalms is right there The end of Psalms, oh my goodness, is right there. Just that section of the Bible right there. That's all praise and that's all worship to God. And that's that's not all of it in the Bible, but that's an entire book, Psalm 1 to 150. Praise is such a major thing. We need to understand that. And we need to praise God. And he gives the, the names of the people who are responsible To praise God so that we can see this. And beloved, today, there's all kinds of things going on in the world that are horrible. You know, there are times we just need to turn the news off and turn everything off. And we need to focus on God with his word and start to praise him for giving us eternal life and helping us. We've prayed for everybody, but Father, in Jesus' name, we praise your name. And we thank you because without you, this would be a terrible world but you are here because we're still here and we still exist here. And so we thank you, Father, for everything you've done. And Lord, we praise your name because you've given us not only eternal life, but you've given us the ability through the power of your Holy Spirit to thank you and to praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, what do we say? Amen. Make it so. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now, you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku Box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to.
3: Today our reading is Nehemiah chapters 11 to 13 and my specific focus today is chapter 13 verses 1 to 3 which says that, "...on that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Now, a lot could be said here, but today I wanna focus on the two people groups mentioned here, namely the Ammonites and the Moabites. Just who exactly were these people? Well, it all goes back to a man named Lot. This is his account. His name was Lot. He was the son of Abraham's brother, Haran, who were the sons of Terah. So Lot was Abraham's nephew, and this would later prove to be an important connection for Lot since his father Haran died prematurely. Thus Abraham apparently took Lot under his wing, a good match since Lot had no father and Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children. Lot journeyed with his uncle for quite some time. By the time that they came to rest in Canaan, Lot and Abraham were so prosperous that the land could no longer support them both. Indeed, as nomads, they lived on the outskirts of the city, and with the Canaanites and Perizzites dwelling in the land, there was limited space for their flocks and herds. So Abraham asks Lot to separate from him, and even offers him the first choice of the land. When Lot looks off to the east, he sees the richly luscious and very well-watered plain of the Jordan. It seemed to be the prime choice. However, what Lot seems to have not realized is that the people there were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So while Abraham remained in Canaan, Lot moved eastward and dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. For now, Lot would continue in his nomadic lifestyle, but eventually he would move into the city and even become a citizen and elder of Sodom, one who sat at the gate of the city. In fact, on one particular evening, while Lot was sitting at this gate, he sees two men approaching the city. Knowing just how dangerous the streets of Sodom are, Lot offers them lodging, There, they feast and have fellowship, but before bedtime, all the men of Sodom surrounded Lot's house and demanded that he bring out the two men so that they can have homosexual relations with them. Word of these two men had spread fast. At this point, Lot goes out to plead with them not to commit this horrendous act and even goes so far as to offer them his own two virgin daughters, but they only got more violent. With Lot now in extreme danger, the two men pull him back into the house, shut the door, and eliminate the threat by striking the surrounding mob with blindness and confusion. Though up to this point, Lot seemingly did not know that he had been entertaining angels, their identity and the purpose of their visit was now made known. With the destruction of the city imminent, Lot attempts to warn his other family members, but they do not believe him. In the end, Lot escaped with his two daughters, but his wife was lost when she lingered to look at the destruction and perhaps got caught in the superheated spray of minerals. She became a pillar of salt. His two daughters would later get him drunk and each become pregnant by him in order to preserve their family line. As Genesis 19 explains, Lot's older daughter bore him a son who she called Moab, who became the father of the Moabites, while Lot's younger daughter bore him a son named Ben-Ami, who became the father of the Ammonites. So here we see how the nations of Ammon and Moab began. It wasn't a good beginning, and it wouldn't be a good end. But you know, it wasn't all bad. King David's great-grandmother Ruth was a Moabitess, and she had the honor of being a part of Jesus Christ's family tree. You can actually read Matthew chapter one for the specifics, but this goes to show that it doesn't matter what nation, tribe, or people group you hail from. If you put your trust and hope in the Lord, then you become a part of his
0: family, Jews and Gentiles alike. Now, this is interesting because when you look at this, Ruth is, of course, one of the people who was a Moabitess, and she had in her mind, uh, had discovered that God was faithful and all of that. We don't know how because we're not given that information. But uh she ends up going back to Bethlehem, that's where she takes care of her mother, and her mother says to her mother-in-law, and her mother says, You know, this guy Boaz, uh, he's a redeemer, you should stay in his field. And so she ends up going into his field, and he says, You know, stay in my field. Mm-hmm. And uh they, they become married and all of that. But this is interesting because a mole yeah. is part of this history. Yeah. So I don't know what that means to us, except that Jesus Christ cleans up everything in our lives from the past.
3: Yeah, and of course that story of Ruth also shows what Christ does for us. Like Boaz was her redeemer, Christ is our redeemer. So it's a beautiful picture as well. <laughs> yes. it just And we don't have time to go into it, but it's an amazing study.
0: It, it really is. Uh, and Rahab also the prostitute from, was also the land of Christ. Mm-hmm. That, that That's is right. absolutely stunning. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Corey.
2: All right, Nehemiah's wall. So um, covered in our reading today that was assigned to us in the Bible Discovery Guide, we have Nehemiah chapter 12. And there's this really cool dedication of the wall of Jerusalem once it was finished. So there's this this parade essentially of worship and music that goes around the top of the wall. So I thought today is a really good day to take a look at some archeological evidence or remains from this wall of Nehemiah. Take a look. The biblical book of Nehemiah records the rebuilding of Jerusalem's city wall in about 445 B.C. By this time, exiles who were taken in the Babylonian conquest had already been allowed to return to their homeland and had rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. All that was left was to build the city's walls and gates, hopefully replenishing its population. Once Nehemiah was on the case, the Bible records the wall was up in only 52 days, an impressive feat considering it would have been at least six and a half feet wide, spacious enough for a procession of people to march along it to dedicate their work. The building process included different people building individual sections of the wall. These sections would have been seamlessly integrated into the sections built on either side. The people would have had to work closely with one another. Jerusalem's new wall had 11 gates and several defensive towers built right over top of the old wall. But just like the new temple, most experts believe both on the Bible's description and archaeological remains that this new wall was not as impressive as the old one and enclosed a much smaller area. Jerusalem, before the exile, had grown to incorporate a large territory to the west of the original city of David. This wall, referred to as the Broad Wall, was built by King Hezekiah. It appears, however, that the wall of Nehemiah left this part of the city out. It would have added a huge area of wall to build and simply wasn't needed at the time. Amazingly, though Jerusalem has been rebuilt many times since, archaeological evidence for Nehemiah's wall has been unearthed. Several sections have been identified, including in a recent excavation in the area believed to have held King David's palace. During preservation efforts, archaeologist Elad Metzar was able to excavate under and around the remains of a defensive tower and section of Nehemiah's wall. This confirmed that they were a part of Nehemiah's wall. It also confirmed Nehemiah's timeline of 52 days. The wall was not well constructed, evidence of hasty work. Though it's lasted millennia, its stones are unfinished and roughly pieced together so really amazing that there are still remains of nehemiah's wall to be seen today so although it was put together really quickly although it wasn't the best quality of wall you know it was it was patched together in different sections different people made different sections it it wasn't ideal in its construction at least a part of it has survived for us to gander at today
0: i think the important part to remember is solomon and uh, when he uh, took over, he built many villages into cities by building walls around them. So this tells you the importance of walls.
2: Sure, yeah, it, it definitely was, um, you know, it, it showed that the the people had the ability to construct something, but it also offered protection from invading forces and, and things of the like. So it definitely can, came in handy, especially in the ancient world.
0: And in this time, you know, Nehemiah was there and he was saying, listen, uh, don't take advantage of the people. Don't lend the money and then and, uh, and take it back and take it back. Don't do that. So there was a lot going on here.
2: And yeah, Nehemiah was really trying to clean up. Train. Jerusalem and and, and and the people and get them ready to kind of stand on their own and follow God the way they were supposed to. So there was a lot of work being done. You're right.
0: I <laughs> think there was a lot of training to be done, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you come out of the exile and you've got to be retrained in understanding what God wants. So that's fascinating. Janice.
1: That's what God does with our lives. In fact, right? he does. Yes. He takes our messes when we follow him. And, and sometimes it's a painful process. You know, building that wall wouldn't have been easy to do and it would have seemed daunting and and to to see the broken pieces everywhere and to try to put it back. And that's the beauty of um, coming to the Lord Jesus and following him is that we don't do it on our own. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. We follow God. We don't say, hey. God, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my three wishes. And so I would like you to just do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. It's a complete giving of ourselves to him and refocusing our mind and our attention. And and it is uh, it is quite the adventure and quite the process. And I called mine uh, my segment today, he knows our name. And, uh, you know, you started the program off, Rod, by talking about... Um, all these different names. And sometimes during the program, you'll even say, you'll say, well, I have a North American tongue and I can't say these names. And, you know, if you know Hebrew, pre- please forgive me. And, and 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 I'm the same, you know, um, when we go to prepare, when I go to prepare to read some of these names and we're going through Chronicles and Numbers and, and, and all of these names, I think, oh, why don't they just have, you know, um, Quick, short, little names like you know Tom, Kate and Bob. Bob and Tom and Jan and you know Corey and Ryan and 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 easy names like that. Um, and I'm and I'm just kind of sharing the behind the scenes things with you that you know as I'm preparing to record uh, the God's Word portion that you hear me read on every day, when I come to these names, I think, oh my goodness, and I take my paper, and I'm marking all the vowels, so thank you, English teachers, all those years for teaching me what, how a short E and a long E and how to mark everything out in syllables, and I've got so many marks on my paper that sometimes I can't even see the letters anymore, and I just say, okay, God, please help, here we go. But, you know, God's Word has nothing in it that is a waste, the Lord talks about every jot and every tittle, every little mark, everything in here has a purpose and a place. And I look at all of these names. I look at all of the things that were listed uh, in, in the temple. And and even though we have a temptation to kind of skip over it, I think we're missing out on something. And I don't even know what that is, except that our spirit does. I, I think there is just so much more to God's word, because it's not a normal book. It's the word of God. It's a supernatural living word, as God calls it. It's a living word. So I think that when we come to these names, we need to remember, you know, first of all, they were real people. This isn't fiction. They, like, this is, this is true stuff. These are true people, and we need to remember that. These are true records. They are truth, These words are truth, so that we need to remember not only that they are real people, but we need to take that time to really read through the Scripture well. Try to avoid skipping through stuff, because as I said, I think there's more dimensionally to these lists than we can tell on the surface. So when we read through these names, even though you and I may butcher some of the uh, pronunciation of them, our apologies to these people and to you. Um, They were real people and that God knew and knows about each one the same way that he knows about you and I. You know, God knows my name. God knows your name. And I don't know about you, but that brings me great comfort that with all the billions and billions of people from the beginning of time to the end of time, God knows who we are. Very personally, uh, he knows our hearts, he knows our minds, and he knows our names. So, that that's my little rant for today.
0: But that's a good rant, and <laughs> it's no, it's good because uh, you know that that really is true. We study the Bible, we look at the Bible, and we there are certain things we believe about the Bible. But the names, <laughs> the names are, are challenging, and sometimes they can be mispronounced and and all of that. But we're doing our best and I think that's important. But the thing is that the Holy Spirit knows that our tongues are rabble North American or they're rabbled Middle Eastern or they're rabbled European or they're rabble Asian, whatever they are. He knows it. And, uh, but if we try, then God helps us. And that's the point. When you try to read the Bible and try to understand after a while, the God's Holy Spirit helps you. So I want to thank you for reading the Bible with us and continue to do that. Remember, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, we are live on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery TV. BibleDiscoveryTV.com is, you can meet us there and we will pray for you. We're alive, I look forward to that and uh, it is good. So we do that for an hour. So please come and join us. Right now, let's pray. And let's say, Lord, I praise your name for everything, because you have given me what I need today. And we thank you, Lord, for all of that. In Jesus' name.